Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to Head of Sports Medicine and Athletic Development at the Arsenal Academy, Des Ryan. Thanks for tuning in to episode 306 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So Des was one of the first people that I actually reached out to six or seven years ago when I first started the podcast. Now, it wasn't long that Des had started his new role at Arsenal and the timing just wasn't right. So I've been stalking him ever since and now was the perfect time, given lockdown, a little bit more time on our hands or time on Des's hands to make this happen. So really appreciate Des for making a little bit of time in his diary to have a little chat. So initially we start off with some chat around the Arsenal Academy, of course, it's philosophy, moving players through the stages, and then we move into the staff employment progression in a career type conversation. So we have a little chat around what he looks for in staff. Then we have a little chat around a strength and conditioning union, which I know has come around again it comes on every so often does the strength and conditioning union and 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 for the many reasons much of which we talk about in this episode but a really interesting chat nonetheless and then we have a little chat around making the step from being a coach to being a leader and a manager so really interesting take from des who's in the position that he is in he is in at the academy and then we have a little chat around universities and how the system can potentially be improved for the next generation of coaches coming through. So superb episode with Des, very diverse, but one I'm sure you'll love. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Hawking Dynamics, the world's first wireless force plate testing system. So the Hawking Dynamics system is built around what coaches want so they can test in the real world and not just in the lab. So you're able to capture reliable data on all athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor progress from their cloud-based system from anywhere in the world. So as I've mentioned, the Hawking Dynamics force plates are wireless, which means they're portable, and they're also trusted by teams at a number of different levels in a number of different sports. So integrating force plates into your athlete monitoring system uh, could not be easier and more affordable. So if you want to get to know a little bit more about Hawking Dynamics or actually see their plates in action, head over to the website, uh, which is hawkingdynamics.com, um, which you can, I mean, you can also schedule a demo and follow them on Twitter at Hawking Dynamics. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by iMeasureU. So used by leading sports practitioners and biomechanics researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi-limb inertial data in the field, IMU Step from iMeasureU is a dual sensor and app lower limb load monitoring tool which helps practitioners optimize return to play for running based sports. So iMeasureU have just released their new and improved waterproof sensor Blue Trident, which includes ultra high G capabilities to quantify high impact steps such as cutting, landing and sprinting, longer battery life to collect data all day, real-time feedback to aid immediate interventions and faster workflow so practitioners can review long training sessions within minutes of training completion. I Measure You, now part of Vicon, works with military, pro and collegiate coaches and athletes from around the world, including the Australian Institute of Sport, US Department of Defense and collegiate and pro teams from around the world. If you want to get to know more about I Measure You, 
head over to their website, imeasureyou.com, or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at imeasureyou. So without further ado, over to the episode with Des Ryan. Thanks for tuning in to the Pace Performance Podcast this evening. I'm delighted to welcome Des Ryan. So welcome to the podcast, Des. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Likewise, got plenty to chat about. Very diverse discussion points, which is great. Really looking forward to it. But if anyone doesn't know who you are, do you just want to give us a bit of a, an intro on yourself, what you're doing now, what you've done previously, education-wise, all that sure. good stuff. Sure, I won't. I won't take too much time. Um, so yes, Des Ryan is my name. Um, head of Sports Medicine Athletic Development in Arsenal Academy. Um, my journey, I suppose, in in strength and conditioning sports science started at around ninety seven. Um, I was lucky enough to come straight out of uni, and I worked in Connacht Rugby Academy. And then far too early, I wasn't ready for it at all. Um, I got a job with the adult professional team. And I was rubbish back then, but I had a good mentor in Liam Hennessy that accelerated my learning pretty quickly um, and settled into that job. Did that job till 2007 and was lucky enough to work with Ireland A team and help out the national team. So lots of good experience and, and at a good high level. But it didn't float my boat as much as it did in the early stages of my career. And uh, with many chats with Liam Hennessy, thankfully he was developing a role with the Irish rugby, uh, where I would be focusing on the academies. So I had to relearn a lot of stuff and I had to learn a lot of new stuff. Um, and I would be managing people in that position. And so they were the conditioners in the academies and the provinces and the, the national team um, conditioners. And a big part of the role was education and running courses and educating coaches. So I really enjoyed that, that role. Um, very fulfilling. That's what I really love. Uh, academy, developing players over a long time. And then in 2012, um, I was lucky enough to be approached by Arsenal and I interviewed and I was lucky enough to get a, a job there. Uh, the one I'm in at the moment. So I've been there seven years now, over seven years, really enjoying that too. And and I I, I guess Liam Hennessy built science and medicine in, in Irish rugby along with other people from scratch. And Arsenal wanted to really build their, their science and medicine department in the academy. So I, I, I look forward to that and I'm still there, still enjoying it. And yeah, um, as well as that, I'm, I'm a director in Satanta College with Liam Hennessy and I do some, just started just before lockdown, I was over in India doing a bit of consultancy with India Cricket. So I know nothing about cricket. I had to learn a lot before I go, went, uh, but similar principles through many sports and I, I enjoyed that challenge. So yeah. was that through Satanta as well? Um, it, it, it wasn't. Uh, I was introduced to... Rahul Dravid, an Indian cricket legend. Yes, yes. I learned, I learned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and when I met him over there, there was lots of people taking photos with him, etc. He's like the David Beckham, I suppose. Um, and he was he was in England in the World Cup, and the the GPS company, Alan Clark, Statsport. He he put uh, linked us in. Uh, I had a chat with him. Did a, t a tour around the training ground. Spoke about all things youth development. Uh, we clicked. Uh, I was very impressed with him. He's some leader. And yeah, we, we worked on a project where we uh, interviewed 
S&C coaches are all through the regions in India. Uh, we did workshops, education with them, and they wanted to figure out who would be best placed to work with their national squads. So that was fun. Uh, and Shane Murphy, who used to work in Man City, he, he came over with me, uh, and Anton Mouban, um, who works in, in NUIG Galway and used to work in Connor Rugby, he came over with me. So, um, yeah, we had fun there, and, and yeah. Nice. One thing that's been on my mind and then transferred onto the onto Twitter is the men, is mentorship, and you mentioned mm. it just then. Was the mentorship that you called, well, you called it a mentorship with Liam, was it officially a mentorship? Obviously, I was just a, like a colleague, um, more experienced colleague helping you out, or what, what does that look like? He's, he's a great friend now and still a mentor. And I have two other mentors, Stephen Abood, um, he's technical director in Italy rugby, he was with Irish rugby, and uh, John Tobin, another coach, uh, GA coach, really clever, clever guy. So the three of them, I spend time with them regularly. But Liam, I suppose, it started off professionally because he was the head of head of uh, athletic development in Irish rugby. I was just thrust into Connacht rugby, um, limited experience. Uh, making lots of mistakes, but he's the type of guy that pushes you in the pool and helps you to swim if you need it. Um, and he 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 saw that that I was struggling, and there was regular chats every week. So it was professionally, but we've grown into great friends, and and I, I really gain from every conversation with him. I make sure I get to spend time with him. I make sure I don't take liberties, um, and yeah. So he's he's a great sounding board. And like every good mentor, he doesn't tell me the answers. He talks it through with me. He points towards option A, option B, pros and cons, and lets me go away and think about it. And and, and I like him to, he visits me when he, when he can, and I like him to observe everything and give me good solid feedback in, a, in, a, in the way a mentor should. Um, and that's where I learned most of him in terms of a manager, in terms of giving... Um, PDRs, appraisals, in terms of um, chairing a meeting, um, everything to do with management. Basically, I've I've really learned off him. And we'll come on to bit that that a little bit later on. With the other two guys, do you, if you don't mind me asking, are they? Uh, is that a free? Like you tap into them when needed, or do you do you pay these guys for their advice at, from time to time? How's it structured? It's it's. So say no. Say I'm no. I'm not answering that, Rob. If it's no, no, it's <laughs> it's. Um, I I I know when I'm could be taking liberties, and when I'm taking liberties and looking for a bit too much, then yes, it can become um, appropriately re- reimbursed. If yes. I'm, I'm looking for a lot of time, or I want a a project, or I want some detailed help, or, or I'm asking for something physically. But all those three people, um, I'm really friendly with, and we chat anyway. And but I, I need to be respectful if I am overstepping the mark. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of both. Um, um, but yeah, for a real true mentorship, you do need to have that friendship, enjoy spending time with each other, um, mutual respect. Um, so that's that's a real true mentorship. But um, I th- I think what came into my thoughts when I was reading your comments is uh, we should always reward them, uh, those people, um, and it should be bringing them to a match. It should be a holiday away, a, a good Christmas present. Um, 
it's it's sometimes people forget to do that. Sometimes people don't do that. And if you're the the mentor, sometimes you go, "Ooh, okay, fair enough." Um, but when people do um, give you a present or something, it's 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 nice. It's a nice thing to do. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, like I was I was helping one coach, and I was happy to help him. And he was he was uh, in a spot of bother. He was. Uh, needing some advice and at Christmas I got this big hamper and I was so grateful um, so I think it's the right thing to do and it's it's what I do as well to, to people that are mentoring me mm-hmm. nice so we'll get on to all that stuff in a little while but just to touch on the academy and your role there mm. maybe good to start off with your philosophy and potentially how that's changed coming from pre-2012 to post 2012 into the into the uh, into the role you're currently in um, and how you kind of communicate that philosophy with members of staff and how that's mm. how that's in the in the blood of the academy at Arsenal yes good question and I'm going to share a secret here don't tell anyone but that's a question we use in our interview okay so the likes of myself and Pawdy and Purry wouldn't be too enthused if someone just said, my philosophy is to reduce injuries and increase power, speed and endurance on the pitch. Now, there's not much of me if I said that. There's not much of my history if I said something as simple as that. I, I, I like to know more detail. So I'm going to give you a big, long answer to that question. So my philosophy is Arsenal Academy's philosophy. Not that I created it, but it was built there with lots of people. So I'm going to say my philosophy is that philosophy. And to understand that, first of all, um, the academy has a vision. So Per Metasacker is leading it. He's the academy manager. And they want to create strong young gunners. Now, that's the North Star. That's what we want to achieve. Now, it's not deadlift strong. It's not anything like that. It's that they can cope with getting a big contract, not getting a contract for life after football, going on loan, anything that comes their way. That's the vision. Now, the mission is to be the most caring and challenging football academy in the world. Wonderful thing to aim for. And we have to contribute to that. We have to contribute to that with our philosophy. So we want to be the most caring and challenging football academy in the world. Now, there's four pillars. Champion mentality, um, permanent education, effective team players, and most efficient movers. Now, we have influence in all of those. But the biggest influence we have is creating most efficient movers. So feeding into that is the Arsenal physical development framework. Now I'm finally getting to the philosophy. So the philosophy or approach is the arrow approach. Getting the player to the next level as quickly and efficiently as possible. There's four main parts to that. Functional competence. Good mobility, good stability, and then more advanced strength type activities. Movement skills, mature level movement skills, and then more advanced speed plyo type, type activities. Integrated conditioning, getting fit through the, the ball, the game, in the majority, because it's Arsenal Football Club. It's a highly technical club. And then planning and periodization, making sure the player doesn't do too much or too little. So that's our philosophy. That's my philosophy. That's up in the wall in both venues. Um, I'd like to think if you asked any other member of the department, any other staff member, any parent, any young player, they'd kind of say, not the same as what I said, but something similar. They'd get it. They know it's the arrow. They know we focus on, on mobility, stability. 
They know we enjoy getting good mature movement skills. They know fitness comes through the game in, in the majority, not all. Um, and they know we, we monitor and, and make sure the player doesn't do too much or too little through our, our readiness to train, our periodization, our, our, our assessments. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Then it goes to more levels underneath that. But we were the type of, of group that like to share. So we did publish it in the NSCA journal if people want to, want to have a look at that. But, yeah, that's the philosophy. It was created, getting people together in a room. All the science and medicine people and coaches were welcome. And Jez, our doctor, came up with the arrow and everyone contributed to it. So, yeah, yeah, I, I really like movement and improving movement. I, I really like, I think there's a, a big place, especially when players are growing fast, is to keep good mobility and stability. And yeah, I enjoy overloading the players through the game with the coaches and, and good meticulous planning. Um, and we love strength. So yeah, that, that pretty much describes it. Cool. Them, them three things that you mentioned, not the, um, yeah, the most efficient movers, Yes. was one of the three. What were the three that you mentioned? So, so champion mentality, and the biggest yep. influence on that would be the psychosocial team. Effective team players, the biggest influence on that would be the, the technical coaches. And permanent education, the biggest influence there is the head of education. But we all contribute to, to all those pillars. Um, and we're getting ready for some bio-banded matches. And we're going to give every player a challenge. And he may have a challenge in champion mentality. He may have a challenge in most efficient movers. He may have a challenge in effective team players. Or he may have a challenge in, in a permanent education. So that's the team running through the, the academy. We're clear on our vision, our, our mission. We're clear on, on how we want to develop a player. And uh, yeah, it's pretty enjoyable. And, and I like that. I, I had that with Stephen Abood in Irish rugby, a clear technical model that we could wrap the physical development framework around. And with power, we have a clear football philosophy and we can wrap the, the physical development framework around that. And that's where I, I, I see it working really well. Um, but if there isn't a, a clear technical model or there isn't a clear physical development framework model, it's impossible for that to happen. So you need both. You mentioned about interviews, about that minute interview question. Mm. What are the common responses when you get what what you flow what are the common responses you get from that question of what is your philosophy yeah it, the common answers are oh i want to reduce injury rates and i want to improve the player's physical capabilities that doesn't tell me anything about the conditioner or the sports scientist that doesn't tell me their special twist um that doesn't tell me their history that doesn't tell me the the areas they really love and i, I like when a conditioner talks a story about his philosophy um, and there's some depth to it and there's some personality to it. So, um, yeah, I've, I've shared that question with, with everyone now, but that's fine. I've, I'm interested to see what people will say um, uh, in it. How did you develop your personal philosophy before you came to Arsenal? If, you would have, if someone had asked you that question, would you have had something very, very clear, concise that you would have been able to communicate and if so how did you then how did you come up with that how did you develop that yeah so like when I started in Connacht Ruby early career out of my depth didn't really have one um Liam was a great educator in terms of of functional competence and I really enjoyed that and I really saw the benefits from that when you did improve the players when you did assess the players and they were able to do more advanced exercises Liam has a great coach and I 
and we like to assess how the players accelerated, decelerated, changed direction, backpedaled, and and that was was ingrained within me. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the integrated conditioning in rugby, getting fit through the game. I thought that was one of my strengths back in the day. Um, so these things, and I'm a bit of a, a numbers guy at times, and so hence planning, periodization. So that would have developed in my, my early days in Connacht and has stuck with me and has carried through um, pretty much. But it came from education, from Leem. Uh, back in the day, there wasn't much movement screening or anything close to it back in the, the, the late 90s. Um, yeah, so so influences like him, other people that I worked with in RFU, like Dave Fagan, uh, like Philip Morrow, who's in Saracens, uh, clever people would have added to my 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 knowledge and and influence the philosophy um like like phillips brilliant on speed strength diagnostics and learned a lot from him on that and i really love that once the players have the training age like another part of our framework is level one two three four level one how well not how much learn the movements and the exercises level two how well and how much now get them strong level three how well how much and how fast and that's where we can do the speed strength diagnostics and through learning off philip learning off Liam, Liam sharing stories of carmelo bosco etc yeah that that really influenced me on philosophy um, back in the day and that that would be still with me i watched the um the uksca round table the other night with Dan Lewindon, Dan Lewindon, Ben Rosenblatt, Duncan French, yes. King, and Marco Cardinelli. Mark, yeah. I can't believe you. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot that. Marco Cardinelli. Absolutely. The, the, the Godfather. And Liam and yes. Marco did their PhD together, I think. Okay. So a really good yeah. brain. I, I only got the second half of it, but I really yeah. enjoyed it. That yeah. yeah. One thing that was really interesting was, and it was the, I think it was a quick fire round at the end. Um, a little snippet of that, what they were thinking with regards to what other skills they look for in a member of staff over and above the coaching. Not mm. necessarily skills, but I suppose char- skills and characteristics over and above. Can they get a athlete to do what they want safely and effectively? What is there anything that you look for in characteristic-wise, personality-wise, Oh, that's a member of staff. So important. And we look for a good person and talent. So it's by no fluke that we have Paddy Roach working with us and Perry Stewart, probably some of the best conditioners in the world at youth development. Uh, so there's talent, but they're also very good people. So when we do have a role, um, I won't lie, I ring my contacts. Who's out there? Andy O'Boyle in the Premier League, Liam Hennessy, Ian Jeffries, um, Tony Strudwick, um, lots of good people in the know. And who's out there? Who's talented? Who do you get on well with? Who is good at building relationships? Who doesn't cause any fires? Who's um, keen to learn? And I'm not saying that people I know are guaranteed to get an interview or people who friends of mine know because there's many people I didn't know with us, like Ivan Mukandi, um, like Noel Carroll. Well, he's in Formula One now, um, and, and they still get through. So, But this helps if there's some connection that knows they're a good person. Um, and then the three rules I have in the department is be mannerly, be objective, and tell the truth. And they have helped us a lot over the seven years. 
because if we tell the truth, we're talking to people in a mannerly way that something could be better or something is really good. And if we're objective, we can back it up with monitoring or, or GPS or, or stats or injury audits or fitness results. And I think that has helped us a lot. But being mannerly is another way of soft skills, another way of describing building relationships. And if I can find someone with those skills, it's it's great. And no, but we also, if it's a conditioner, for example, I want to see them having the UKCA accreditation. Okay, it's just a driving license and you're driving sports cars here. So you should have it. And there's a lot of people that don't. And then experience is the next thing. And experience with some good practitioners is even better. And it doesn't matter if it's with a professional club or Royal Ballet or a school. Um, like we have Will Pennell with us. And he spent a lot of time with James Baker in that school in Gloucester. And he was mentored brilliantly. And he's a, he's a talented conditioner in an early mid-career stage. And lastly, do they have a degree? Do they have a master's? They're kind of important, um, but more important is the experience with a good mentor, um, and more important is are they a good person, and the accreditation in there as well. So, and we, we run a tough interview process. I think if people have been through it, they'll they'll know. And we bring the players in, we bring other people from other disciplines in. Um, we've challenging videos, we have uh, scenarios that are quite troublesome and challenging, and we dig deep in the interview. But you need the interview, you need to do your checks, ring around the references. Uh, it's very hard to tell who a person is in just an hour interview. Um, we've, we've a couple of rounds of interviews. It's, it's the most important decision you can make. Um, and it, it, you gain so much when you find the right person. So it's, it's extremely important getting talented people in the, in the building. With many career maps out there involving a progression from maybe uh, lower end academy, i.e. the ages, moving up through the ages, and then progressing to a first team environment. That's mm. the majority of people see that as the progression. How do you keep people like Pardy, who um, could potentially go and work in a first team environment, how do you keep them challenged and motivated to stay in that youth environment when others may want to think that the next step is first team? Yeah, that's when we would go looking. In my naivety at the start, I was going, I want to find academy specialists and I want them to be career-long academy people. And we found a, a good few. But I have to be fair to, to younger practitioners. They might want to go up that journey. Yeah. They they want to scratch that itch. And the thing is with Paddy, he worked with Munster Rugby in Ireland in the World Cup. He scratched that itch. He's done that, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and Perry has had a similar role to me in another uh, club, big club, and he's scratched that itch as, as well. So um, keep them, by keeping them challenged, uh, hopefully enjoying their role. Um, and without being gross and talking about money, they need to be rewarded properly. And in fairness to the club, they do reward them properly to the level of um, an assistant in the first team, pretty much. And that's what they should get. They're experts. They're world leaders. Um, and that's how we can hold on to them. And we're very lucky to have them. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and But there's other people with other journeys, like Sam Wilson is with the first team now. And he came to us as an intern, uh, had a consultant contract, got a permanent contract. Um, and then um, 
is with the first team now. So delighted for him. And there's other people on, on other journeys. Uh, but if we can keep um, a, a fair amount of people who want to be career academy coaches, that's, that's very helpful for us. Um, and what I said there, uh, we offer perma contracts, which is a rare thing in, in professional sport. Um, but it's something Liam had in, in Irish rugby and it's something working with the club that we wanted that would have a career for people with us when they get the permanent contract and they don't have to worry about it's a two-year contract or, or whatever. And that's some of the things you can do in academy and can help with longevity of, of keeping people. Just out of interest, when you put an advert out for a strength and conditioning coach in the academy, what's your rough numbers that you're expecting to get in? Oh, yeah, it'll be anywhere between 150 and 300. Okay. And, and I read every CV. And and the, the most enjoyable CV I saw once was, it's popular now to put your pictures on it. And there was a young man, I, I can't even remember his name, but he had a picture of him at a social event with a bottle of Heineken <laughs> 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 on the front of a CV. Did he so get a job? Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's... I, I, that's only a, a little joke, um, but we do read every CV, um, and it's it's tough out there with, with so many people applying. So, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. But I, I keep saying to, to conditioners and sports scientists, there's a job in every, as I call them, parish. So even my parish, it's only got I don't know, fifteen houses two pubs, church, two churches, uh, there's a job there for a strength conditioner. There's the school, there's the weekend warrior, there's the local GA teams, there's the local Gaelic teams, hurling teams, there's people who just need to get fit, there's the kiddies in the primary school, there's the, the elderly people, uh, there's the people in the, in the old folks' home. They all need athletic developments, they all need conditioning of some sorts, and you will, you will create a full-time job. All you need is the... the village hall and the the local pitch and you can be a full-time conditioner so there's a job for everyone in every parish um it's not as bad as as people think there's there's jobs out there why why is that such a struggle i, I i'm generalizing here but why do people struggle with that concept because i'm i'm in complete agreement absolutely mm. why do people struggle with that I, I don't know. I've, I've friends that have done it and are, are, are successful and, and fulfilled and enjoying. And they get a little smidgen of elite sport when they're developing the local talented under 18 and they get a good buzz from the class with the, with the normal Joe Soaps. Um, why do they struggle? I, I, yes, there's a draw to be with a professional team. It's cool. It's, it's, it's the sexy thing. Um, do they have the skills to, to do what I suggested? I'm not sure they, they do. Um, so, yeah, a bit of lack of knowledge, a bit of uh, looking where the grass is greener um, in the professional sports world. But there's only so many jobs, and that's that's signified by the 300 applications for one role. Absolutely. One thing we spoke about beforehand, before we hit record, was the strength and conditioning union, the need for a union. Why is this something that you're interested in chatting about? Why is it a bit of a... A passion why do you see the need for a union I think, i'm sure it's been spoke about hmm. before but what why why now yeah it's 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 not just me i, I think experienced people are seeing that the the need is there especially different compared to 10 years ago i, I think it's needed because 
we, we, we sort of need the support. We need the protection. And what has increased in the professional world, professional sports world, is disciplinaries. And if people make mistakes, in the old days, it used to be a little talking to with your line manager and an apology and, and a little repercussion. Now, the world has changed. There's been scandals. Um, professional teams want to do things properly. So usually they go straight to disciplinary. Now, when you're in a disciplinary, you can bring someone from your union to help you. And that's a very stressful time for a, a young physio or a conditioner or a strength conditioner. Um, but we don't have a union. So we haven't someone to bring. Uh, so all we can bring is like a colleague uh, or someone who's a family friend who knows about that uh, employment laws, etc., to support us. So I think we should have it. It's, it's happening a lot around the community from talking to friends in, in UK and Ireland. And it's it's a stressful time for for the people, and people make mistakes. They can they can do something wrong, but they need that uh, expertise with them on employment law, on a union representative, and um, yeah, I, I hope it can happen. There's a good few people talking about it. Um, I've chatted to people in in the UKCA, and that that isn't the role of the UKCA, but they could help facilitate it, and they've they've some ideas, and I think. If we find a big union and align with that, then they could train up people like myself and yourself and others uh, to be union representatives. And that would be good for our CPD and our knowledge in the workplace. And then we could support these people um, who get into a spot of bother. Um, so for, for job security, for support, for employment law knowledge um, in this trickier world at the moment where things do turn very official very quickly, I, I think... It, it, it's crazy that we don't have one. The, the Chartered Society of, of Physiotherapists have one. Uh, we are, I suppose, a, a relatively new profession, and we should we should get on board with that. And who knows what that can help us with in terms of, of salaries and um, governance of that and, and uh, getting to a stage where it's like the Australia Strength and Conditioning Association, that it's, it's regulated salaries. Uh, driven by the government uh, for sports that are funded by the government. Um, and that could could help us, a union. So who, what would the next step to, to get something moving, um, in your opinion? Well, I, I, I guess people need to need to get together. I, 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 um, Paddy Roach is going for a director position. He's very passionate about that, as as well as myself. Of the UKCA. Of the UKCA, yeah. Uh, yeah. so vote Coach Roach. And <laughs> <laughs> that will help. Um, yeah. I, I shouldn't joke, he's, he's, he's a brilliant professional. He's super experienced, he's super passionate. Um, yeah, people should consider um, uh, looking at Pawdy's letter to the members. And I think that's something he would drive. And I think he would. he's great at pulling people together. Uh, I think if the right people got into a room... Uh, we tendered for a union. We met a few unions. Uh, we got it aligned. People may have to contribute to become a member of a union. We'd have to explain to people it's worthwhile doing it. People may not understand the importance of it. And then, um, yeah, it could get started. So I'm happy to put my shoulders to the wheel in some capacity. Um, and, yeah, it, 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 it could be relatively easy. So discipline, the, the disciplinary side of things and the how things get official very, very quickly is the, is the biggest driver. But you mentioned 
potential for salaries and that'll perk people's ears up straight away how yes. would what would the link be how would that help how would it establishing a union or linking to a union help with salaries potentially um i get outside of my comfort zone but that's not okay. a, a, a yeah, bad yeah. place to be right. i i think they could lobby the government uh, i think in terms of the national minimum wage um i think they could and that would be the starting salary. Like Australia has a very good national minimum wage, and that's where the entry point are for early career people. And uh, I think that's thirty k. So wouldn't it be one wonderful if an entry position in the UK was was thirty uh, k sterling? It's I think it's sixty Aussie dollars, but if you do the conversion, it's equal to thirty k. I think they could um, sit down with with major sport and governing bodies and advise first, suggest first. And who knows where it could grow or become come in in rules, and it could be just minimums, and then clubs could go beyond that. And if the minimums were a, an appropriate and a healthy um, amount, that would be good. Um, and experienced people in the in the sports science and strength conditioning world could sit with the experts in the union who understand employment law and and things like that. Could could hopefully get together and and gradually improve that. Interesting. I think it's an, a super interesting area. And I know it pops up every now and again, mm. but I think at the moment there seems to be a consistent murmuring that this is needed. And it seems that it's getting a lot of attention and a lot of people getting passionate about it. So hopefully, hopefully that could that, that passion could drive something to happen. Yeah, I I, I think with, with government organisations like the EIS, with UK Sport, with UKCA linking in with SIMSPA now, um, a government um, association. And there's good people like Andy O'Boyle in the Premier League and there's other people in, in other uh, rugby leagues that are, are, are smart, that are, are easy to chat to. Um, I'm sure it can improve in the future and get to a place that's that's appropriate. Um, yes, I guess the Premier League can't tell Burnley or Arsenal what they should pay, but maybe the clubs could sign up to a, an agreement on the minimums so people can enter at the very least uh, on, a, on a good, good salary. So we're just going to take a very quick break in the chat with Des. Hope you're enjoying part one. So over in part two, we discuss the transition from a coach to be a leader and a manager. So it seems to be the normal process, I suppose for anyone in any industry, to be very hands-on and then progress into a leadership or management position. But in, co- in coaching terms, how do we go about that? So Des has a lot of experience in this area going through it himself, but also progressing his staff through it at Arsenal and in previous roles as well. So we discussed developing a vision, running personal development reviews, injury audits, sharing meetings, all these kind of staple skills and competencies, but actually going through the process of how you actually develop the skills and competencies to do them properly and do them well. Then we have a little chat around universities, which is a really interesting chat that I know Des is very passionate about and how universities can potentially improve things for their students. So over to Des for part two. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Output Sport, a Swiss army knife for optimizing off-field performance. So Output Sports have developed a one-stop portable tool for comprehensive, valid, and reliable athlete assessment. So for the first time ever, you can access metrics such as jump height, barbell velocity, Nordics, 
and speed agility, all with the single wearable sensor. So output brings unparalleled efficiency to athlete testing to allow sports organizations, performance centers, teams, and athletes to make data-driven decisions. So this technology has originated from eight years of research and co-developed with over 40 sporting partners across the globe. You can learn more about Output on OutputSports.com or follow them on social media at OutputSports where you can also schedule a demo. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by AthleteMonitoring.com, the world's most comprehensive, versatile and cost-effective athlete health and performance management platform for elite sports. So AthleteMonitoring.com is trusted by top development programs, universities, professional teams, Olympic programs, national sports organizations and research institutes worldwide. It streamlines data collection, centralizes the management of wellness, training and performance, medical and testing and administrative data. It also simplifies the interpretation with best practice analytics and evidence-based methods to optimize performance and reduce injury risk. So with all these features on a single platform, AthleteMonitoring.com seamlessly brings key stakeholders together to build healthier athletes, more efficient organizations, and long-lasting successes. To see what AthleteMonitoring.com can do for you, visit AthleteMonitoring.com and schedule a free demo, or follow them on Twitter at AthleteMonitor. This episode is also sponsored by Omega Wave, which is the only non-invasive, at-rest technology on the market that analyzes readiness to train via both brain and cardiac analysis. So using DC potential and HRV to understand your brain's energy level and autonomic nervous system balance allows you to use objective data on recovery and readiness that in turn helps you to truly individualize your training and this optimized performance. Omega Wave also measures ECG from the V6 position, and this data can be used by the medical profession to check cardiac health on a frequent basis. The measurement only takes four minutes to perform and results are visualized in an intuitive way thanks to our windows of trainability concept. Omega Wave is used by hundreds of elite sport athletes, military and law enforcement agencies. They're also an official partner of the UFC Performance Institute. So to learn more about Omega Wave, visit their website, omegawave.com or visit their social media channels. Just moving on again and to link this back to your transition from coach to more management how was that transition for you and do you think that was at the time do you think that was a successful transition or would you have done certain things differently and then we'll have a little dive into the intricacies of what that may look like on a day-to-day basis for you what you've learned yeah sure it's it it wasn't every year i've tried to improve uh, I made mistakes. I think uh, I learned I had to be very political from day one. I think I made a mistake in Leinster Rugby and invited them to too much CPD and <laughs> asked them to come to IRFU events and probably a little bit too much and maybe not in the best way. And a good friend of mine, Dave Fagan, I suddenly turned up to Leinster and there was the CEO and there was all these important people and Des got a bit of a talking to on, on balance. So I, I learned there straight away I got to communicate with everybody. I've got to be political. I've got to create things with people. I've got to have good listening skills. I've got to be uh, collaborative in everything I do. So, yeah, I bumped in the roads. I, I made mistakes, but I always had a good review with Liam Hennessy after it. Um, 
so but but enjoyed it and 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 improved as I went along. Every year I tried to add in something different. Um and being in a in a head position, you can have huge impact. Um like I think every academy I think should have a position like mine where I'm not with a team, I'm not on the bus, I'm not on the train, I'm not going to matches. So I can sit and chat with the board. I can go to a heads of department meeting. I can go to a loans meeting. I can go to a talent ID meeting. I can go to a, a lead coach meeting. I can go to um, have a casual chat with a, an under 12 coach. I can educate people through the chat and be educated by the people in the chat as well. Um, I can make sure everybody understands our philosophy from parents, from under nines, to the board, to to Mikel Arteta, to, to everybody, because I have the the space to do that rather than being uh, with a team and having my total focus on a team as I should if I was with a team. Um, you can you can pull people together and create, like we just last Friday agreed, our objectives for the year. And... I'm totally focused on those now and, and the department are and they're clear what they're doing. And over the last month, I had um, PDRs with all the, the conditioners and physios and they have their individual objectives. So I've promised them three times a year, I'll check in with them on them. So they got their individual objectives. They got the department objectives and they're all aiming for our vision and our mission of being the most caring and challenging uh, football academy in the world, so having that that influence um, is is um, hugely beneficial, I think, for everyone within the department, for the players, and for the club. Um, but it takes a lot of um, a lot of time, and a lot of strategic planning, um, and and a lot of meetings. How do you run them? Person development, PDR, person development review. Yeah, PDRs. So um, they're hugely important. Um, and they're important to the practitioner as well. And Liam Hennessy used to run brilliant ones with me. And I really gained from them. And he was able to tell me I was doing pretty bad at this thing. <laughs> you, you wouldn't even notice and you'd be enthused on how you could fix it. And he just told you you were bad at it. But he did it in a brilliant way. Um, but he also told you how well you're doing. And you got energized from it. So they need time. And I think some of them, we spent a couple of hours chatting. Um, and we go through, okay, what their objectives were. Chat about those. Did you achieve your objectives? How did you achieve your objectives? Then uh, what went well for you? Then what could have went better for you? Okay, let's have an action plan now. And okay, what can I do to help you be better? And then, okay, let's create together your individual objectives. And that's they're, they're picked for a specific reason. They're picked mutually, and they'll help the academy and they'll help the practitioner. Um, and that's, that's me and the conditioner signing a contract on what we're going to work on, how I can support them. And at the end of it, I always ask them to give me feedback and what I could do better. And that's very useful. I, I have it here written down that um, the three things I got from, from my department is uh, check in more with them. So I need to do that for certain people uh, in the department. And that was good for you. More informally? Yeah, yeah. Checking in a bit more with, with, with certain people. And I'll do that now they've told me. Um, 
then uh, there was one instance when one uh, person was having a little clash with another person. These things happen. And they the said to me, I could have got in and, and helped that a bit sooner. So I'm super conscious of that. And they, they'd like more detail on their objectives. So I'm totally open to getting feedback like that. I'm happy because that will make me better next season. And to the same ex extent, I'll give them some objectives to work on. Um, and it's, it's healthy discussions, it's healthy communication, but it's, it's, it's really personal to the person. And it's a big uh, moment in their, in their season. And I have to do it very well. And I spend a lot of time preparing uh, before I go into them. And I've, I've had bad PDRs myself uh, to the extent that sometimes it was, yeah, um, this isn't much good, there's this PDR crack. You know what it's like. 20-minute chat. Tick a box. Everything's great, Des, yeah. out the door. That's not how to do it. And I, I'd never do it like that. And so they can be done really be done really badly, but they can be done really, really well. And and they can energize the, the person. Um, and that's that's a you can have a proper one-to-one -one chat. But sadly, I don't think that happens a lot in our mm -hmm. industry, those sorts of things, but they, they should happen. Is this is this the time where salaries get reviewed or is there something else? Not supposed to discuss salaries uh, at that point, but there is other points where they can be discussed. It's 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 probably not the best time to to do it. It's about how I can be better. It's about how they can be better, and a, a separate meeting for for the, that discussion. All right. Um, One of the points that we had written down, which was important for your transition from a um, from a coach to a manager, was injury audits. Mm. Running injury audits for the. For the, for the department how was yeah. that something that you how did you learn how to do that any mistakes any advice for people who may want to go through that process especially people clubs that maybe don't have a don't have a des ryan to help them that maybe lone soldier or one of two in, a, in, a, in an academy any advice for these guys yeah that's that's probably one of the first questions i asked somebody uh from another club um and we're just having a general chat, and I'd I'd subtly just throw in, oh, how how many muscle injuries per thousand hours do you have? And if they don't have that answer off the tip of their tongue, then they don't have an injury audit. And I gently chat with them on the importance of it. So really, the people who who implement it are are physios, but everyone needs to contribute uh, because the conditioners need to provide the workloads, the the. Physios have the injury numbers, and then they can work out injuries per thousand hours um, using the guidance of. It's going to clear out my head now, but there's a paper. Uh, I forget. I forget. Right. But there is there is a, a, a proper way of of doing an injury audit, and it's published. And it's Colin Fuller. Colin Fuller okay. article. Uh, that that's how to do it. That's how all sports teams should do it. So there's the guidance on how to do it. But when it's collected. It's not just, okay, we did it, it's over there. Then you you have a meeting, it's presented. Then you have to have some actions after it. And how can we improve next time? How do we do this time? What went well? What could have went better? What's our actions for the for the coming phase? And then you make sure those actions are acted on and they're brought up in department meetings. And then the finance of that is then presented to the lead coaches. Sorry, first of all, it's presented to the leadership team, the academy manager, the assistant academy manager, the head of coaching, and the head of talent ID. Then, okay, you're clear on how that phase went. Now we present it to the league coaches. Okay, then we present it to the squads. So everybody, it's transparent, it's open. 
look, we did really good here, but if we could do a little bit better here, and here's our action plan, will you support us in this action plan? Um, and then we can have a meaningful impact on changes within the academy for the better. And the same should happen with fitness results. And um, there are two of the, the real key things to have in a, in a, especially the academy for looking at players develop. And then I can bring those information to player progress meetings. So I'd be there with the, with the talent ID people, the, the coaches and the, the, the leadership team when we're discussing players in those important meetings. And I have my injury audits, I have my player profiles, I have the fitness results, I have the comparisons by abandon, I have all the good information from the, from the science and medicine team to make an informed decision about the player. So really valuable um, injury audits and proper good quality fitness testing and uh, not changing your protocols. It's like a, a marriage, I call it. When you pick your, your fitness test, that's it. It's a long-term thing. And then you can look back retrospectively. We do too much change in the fitness world. Next new thing, all this fancy test. No, simple tests, and we have them for seven years now, and we can look back on on Hector Bellerin, who's with the first team, Ainsley, uh, Bakayo coming through now, uh, Reese, Joe, Eddie. Okay, what, what journey did they have? What hints can we get from their development from under 12 all the way up? Um, and we have seven years of fitness results to look back on. You've mentioned a couple of job titles that are, I'm guessing, on a, on, a, on, a, on a par with you, head of coaching, academy manager, etc. But how do you go about communicating that information up the chain? Mm-hmm. Is that something you've learned along the way? Is that something you were quite conscious of that that would have to happen? You have to develop new skills for it? How do yeah. you go about That's, developing that, that? Presenting. Yeah. So I enjoy presenting. I figured out that if I present... It, I can I can hit home with people and my message can stick. So I did a lot of it in their rugby union for education, for going to the schools, clubs, provinces. Um, and I figured out this is this is a good skill to have for, for influencing and for making awareness. So that can help me when I'm talking to the board. That can help me when I'm talking to the leadership team. That can help me when I'm in the academy management team meeting. That can help me when I'm in the loans meeting. And yeah, it's 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 a very useful skill to have. Um, I'm very pro that the, the people in the department go out and present at conferences. I'm very pro uh, that they master that skill. I try and ease them in some of the early mid-career people that they present to us first and then they gradually go to, to bigger occasions. And then they'll be comfortable presenting to a new manager or a, or a head of department or a group of coaches. And if you do it well, uh, they can see the confidence uh, in you and they, they then have respect and belief in you and you have more opportunity to, to influence. Um, that's, that's definitely one thing that gets missed. I mean, just in this, with, with the podcast, asking people to welcome people to come on and, and, and discuss what they do. And as you can imagine, some clubs don't want their practitioners coming on and talking about what they do um hmm. no idea why but but that, that's different conversation but what a what a great thing for people to like party get yeah. on discuss what they do communicate that build a not party particularly needs it but build that confidence when being asked questions like you would in a like you say meeting that when you present to the manager when you present to the board it's just exactly. that progression that confidence yeah yeah and uh, yeah, so it's 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 a it's a win-win. Hmm. 
tip. So one last thing that I wanted to chat about, and this is this comes up all the time, especially on social media, and that's the university system, what they are doing, what they aren't doing to prepare young coaches for the world of professional sport. What's your take on that long old yeah. discussion, yeah. long held discussion? It's it's out there. It's it's um, it can get very passionate in people. Oh, it does. I, I I highlighted my opinions in the UKCA conference, and I I didn't make many friends. Uh, <laughs> when was, was that, Des? When was that? Uh, 2017. Oh, your uh, presentation, you mean? Yeah, I I yeah. did bring up that universities could do a better job. Um, so I tried to stick being mannerly, be objective, tell the truth. So being objective, we've interviewed over a hundred people now since since I've come to Arsenal. Now there's 100 to 300 people applying. We're picking the, the best of the bunch. Um, and I'll say of that 100, there probably was only about 15 that I'd be comfortable looking after a team. Very harsh by me. Right. Very, very harsh <laughs> by me. And very relevant in the um, intern positions that we've had in the past. So these would be more new graduates. And I, I'd... I'd Ask a simple question like, um, what models and frameworks uh, of long-term player development have you read? Are you aware of? And I get nothing back. And very, very low level. Wouldn't be happy at all. And when someone interviews with us, we're always there to give feedback. And in my chat, in the feedback, I go, what were you taught in that area? And oh, we weren't taught. We weren't taught anything on that. Now, I know things have improved over the, the last few years, for sure. But I think there's a way to go. And it, it, irrespective of sports science or its, or its strength and conditioning, I think people need to be coaching. I think there's a university team, many in every university. I think it should be part of the curriculum that every day they're doing some sort of training or coaching. I think um, they should, at the very least, leave university being able to do a warm-up, being able to screen a player, being able to test a player, being able to monitor a player, being able to do a strength session, a speed session, an endurance session. And that's that's the basics as far as I'm concerned for strength and conditioning. Now, the same can be done in sports science. There should be a semester monitoring workloads of a team, a semester doing nutrition, a semester doing psychology and just questionnaires or, or doing some uh, relevant practical work people um, and when they leave then I'm not saying they're going to have the soft skills and be a, an experienced coach but they can run a session and they have knowledge of what's bad and what's good what's dangerous and what's not um, dangerous but that isn't there I don't see that in the in the graduates in the early career people I don't see them as coaches I don't see them ready to coach I don't see them as sports scientists and I'm being very harsh here but I'm just telling the truth I'm being objective and I, I'm try, I'm being mannerly that um, hopefully it'll help. Um, hopefully more resources will come to the, the departments in university. I I'm, I know the people in universities will enjoy the things I mentioned. And I, I know we all have to improve. The students have to improve. The employers have to improve in opportunities and, and the education they give them. Um, but this is this is the general knowledge needs to improve in the in the, the student. And when you get to, to my age, um, you may continue coaching for all your life, like Vern Gambetta or, or Fergal O'Callaghan or, or Dave Fagan. But 
there needs to be something in the future for for conditioner sports scientists, and it could be head positions like we chatted about, or it could be lecturing in a university. Yeah, they should have the academic qualifications, but having practitioners in the university working with these um, graduates will be good for knowledge sharing uh, alongside the academics, alongside the pracademics. Um, you, you you need some some um, practitioners in there in the education environment in. Uh, strength and condition. I feel very passionate about it, and that's why I, I, I've linked in with Liam Hennessy and Satanta College, and that's what we we try and do there. And we have people like Shane Murphy lecturing now, people who have worked with Man City for a number of years, and and practitioners educating people. Um, so I, I I think it can improve. I think there is good people out there in universities, undoubtedly. I think they're they're trying super hard, and I know it's complex, and the whole university structure needs to change. What's wrong with that? Um, why can't it happen? One interesting conversation I had recently was with a Cat One Academy, and they had recently taken on another athlete development athletic development coach. I think it was maybe nines to twelves or something like that. Had a lot of applications as per usual, and one thing that became very very clear with the to the practitioner that was sifting through these was just the general lack of coaching hours that these applicants had gone through. They ended up getting someone from a private school because they were mm. coaching seven hours a day. Yes. It was group, stop, change group, group. And that was six, seven hours, like I say, per day for three years. Whereas you've got someone who may be in a, I don't know, a lower-end academy or something like that, where you may be coaching two hours a day, one and a half hours a day, because you're getting roped in to do all this other stuff. Um, and people coming out of university with a master's and maybe haven't done any coaching. And people with a PhD who, very little coaching. So it seems to me that the wannabe S&C coaches maybe aren't doing the simple stuff, which is actually just been in front of a group. Like just that skill of managing a group, finding out who's... Who are the good guys? Who are the who are the ones that are going to cause you a bit of an issue? All them little, not little, but big skills that can be gained just from being in front of a group. That's just yes. doesn't seem to be there. No, and and they'll gain usually from that, and especially if there's someone with them doing a review. Now, I'd like to share how we do reviews um, along with this question because I, when I when I do something like this, I I, I feel better if I've if I've offered something for people yes. and I, I'm, I'm I, I, I haven't uh, offered much so far so I think this this could be useful this could be useful but the coaching time essential there's so much learning in it and as you said the school we've got Will Pennell as I say uh, who worked with James Baker who was doing hours of coaching and there's so much learning in that but the learning is really special if it's been reviewed with a practitioner afterwards and yeah that is better than universities you need the both you need the the academic knowledge and and you need the the practical experience and just organizational skills just dealing with people how to know where the line is uh, making mistakes and learning from them how to build a relationship how to control a group how to how to change your 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 mind i i, I notice um 
people who haven't gone through the high coaching hours, if something suddenly changes just before a session, and that happens a lot, really throws them. But if someone is doing a lot of coaching, yeah, no problem, we'll just tweak this here. And having the coaching eye as well, like in an interview process, yes, I'm giving away the whole interview. I, I, <laughs> I do a squat and I have a bit of lumbar flexion and I shift to the side as an example. Mightn't be that in the next interview. Um, and you'd be surprised how many people don't see that. And I'm there having a bloody sore back at the end of the day demonstrating this bad technique. And I'm, I'm shocked that people can't see those two grossers, I'd call them, but they can't see them because they haven't spent a lot of time in the coaching hours and watching for these things and fixing these things more importantly. But if they can't see them, they're definitely not going to fix them. So the hours coaching help you spot those things. But if they're doing the coaching and they're sitting with a, a mentor or a friend or a colleague, uh, we like to do a review. Now, it, it, it follows the letters. So um, I might do it with you. Yeah. So think of a of a bad podcast you did. Not this one, but one of the past. Don't we don't have to... They, okay. <laughs> so in the review, this is going to be the quickest one ever. Yeah. R stands for reintegrate. So we get away from the session. We're getting away from the podcast. We're sitting down and we're, we're having that safe space where we can look back on that that podcast. It didn't go as well as it could have. Now, there could be the person who was in the podcast there. So it could be me and a few coaches. So we've reintegrated into the group. Next one is establish the goal. Okay, what were you aiming for in that podcast? Would be the question to you. Yes. Um, what was Without I giving away who it was. So. No, 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 no. Well, that's, that'd, be, that'd be slightly unfair. Uh, and I have reflected on this and, and, and gone oh, through, good. hopefully gone through this, this, this scenario. What was I wanting to get? Um, I was wanting to get his... I was going to pick his brain on the conditioning side of things. So how he conditioned his athletes. Uh, well, that's as much as I can say without cool. moving yeah, it away. Right. So yeah. that's the goal. We're in a yeah. group, we're in a safe environment. That was the goal of it. Then you visit two true questions. So the V, or EV. And oh, what went well in the podcast? Um, what went well? Um the rapport was quite good with that with the with the person who was who was on the other end. That, that, yeah, I'll probably leave it there. That was that was actually yeah. it. <laughs> and then um what could have went better? My research building up to the episode should have been I thought it was okay, but afterwards realized it wasn't. Cool. And then I in the review, this is where we invite the group if there was other people with us. And sometimes people aren't as, as quick as yourself with the reflection and what could have went better. So you might have to draw it out of other people in the discussion in that safe environment. So R-E-V-I. And then the next letter is E. Okay, establish some actions. So the next time you're going to do uh, a podcast, what's the change you're going to make? What's the addition you're going to make? Dedicate more time beforehand to review the work of said guest cool so and the next one is w so what next when's the next podcast thursday cool and so you've so that's review uh reintegrate establish the goal visit true questions invite the group establish the actions and what next and it doesn't have to go through that pattern all the time and the one we did there was a bit false. Hopefully, it's a it's a natural conversation, and it's a uh, you can dig in in depth. Um, and then the next time a coaching session happens or a podcast happens, that's in their mind. It's agreed. There's an action, and that'll bring it to a higher level. 
Um, so we've we've got that, and also um, Christian Vasallo uh, was with us for for a number of years, and he has his own company now, and he introduced uh, the reflective model. So when we have our SNC meetings, uh, we do a quick reflection amongst the group, and the first part of it is what, then so what, and then now what. So that's a nice, really quick reflection. And Christian introduced that to us. We have a little framework drawn out on how we do that. So what? Yeah, I did a really bad session. Uh, so what? Um, well, the players are a bit pissed off with me, and the coach saw a bit of a rubbish session. Uh, now what? Okay. I've got to be honest with the players that I could have done better. I've got to be honest with the coaches, that wasn't great. I've got a plan that I'm going to do the next session that's going to be better, and I'm going to do a better session the next time, as a, as a quick little like example. So, so it's a simple little framework. Um, people talk hugely amount uh, reflection and reviews. There's our two little uh, tips um, for, for doing that in, the, in, the, in a quick time in, in the work environment. I like that. So one last thing. Maybe linking it to the university, probably as a bit of a, a summary of what we've what we've discussed. For the next generation of practitioner, for the mm. new practitioner, what would you, and this may be just a, uh, you repeating what you've just said, but that's okay. What advice would you give them to maximize their chances of getting a job, progressing in a job in not the Arsenal Academy, but uh, well, it could be, but or a similar environment. What would be your best advice for those people? Yeah, good question. And and people are on to me a lot asking something similar. So starting from scratch, okay, getting into university. Don't just do the university courses. There's a lot of other courses that are there that are free, like uh, World Rugby, Strength and Conditioning, Level 1, Level 2. Online, it's there for, for all the unions in the world. You can You can do that over a short period of time and you even get a little pre-course cert so you can add that onto your CV um, then you can do if you can afford it the, the UKCA workshops and you can be getting ready for that accreditation at an appropriate time then you can be finding a good coach and having chats with him or her and observing him or her then getting a team or a player or a group or a school to coach or coach with somebody and learn from them. And that can be done in the evenings, that can be done in the weekends. You're studying, you're getting extra qualifications, you're hanging around good people, uh, you're making connections, and you've got your degree. And you could end up leaving university with your UKCA accreditation, coaching experience, connections, and uh, your, your degree as well. And having the chats. Uh, and looking back on your session and what you what how you can improve all is looking to improve um and and resources like this uh, i will say it's fantastic what you do um thank you i've listened to it when i do my slow jog in my treadmill in the mornings and it helps me keep going and so many people in the department listen to your podcasts and you help the community hugely it's a great thank resource you. um so listening to these types of, of resources, which again are free, and yeah, observing people and doing, um, for sure. And and chatting to people about their philosophies, and chatting, sorry, chatting to coaches. So 
people aren't coaches. yeah people yeah. aren't successful in the professional sports environment if they aren't able to build a relationship with a coach so you've got to get used to asking a coach about his or her philosophy asking a coach about his or her methodology asking a coach about his or her curriculum and you're going to be doing that all your career and you're going to have to do that to overlap the physical development framework onto the technical model and if you don't do that you won't be a success so yeah getting in and getting known technical coaches and what makes them tick and they're all very different so you've got to get used to to chatting to them and and uh, getting knowledge from them and learning how to educate them in your conversation as well as being educated by them one thing that stuck out in a, an episode that I did a few weeks ago, and this won't please you as, a, as an Irishman and a rugby fan, uh, with Eddie Jones, was there's a lot of coaches out there who are learning, but it's learning and doing is the key bit. There's a lot of people learning, but not as many who actually convert that knowledge into practice. So then that's that's definitely emphasised that for what, what you said. So. Yeah, begrudgingly, I'll say he's good. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he kept a visit to club, all right. He was he was. Oh, did he? Okay. Fascinated, fascinated to chat to. Yeah. Very yeah, very yeah. direct. I kind of liked it. Um and and very knowledgeable for sure. Um, so I would encourage anyone to listen to your 2017 UKSA presentation, which is on their website. But anyone that wants to ask you questions, I'm I'm guessing you get quite a few emails through asking you questions from prospective coaches, wannabe coaches, but where can people find you, maybe on a more public forum, to ask you questions about this or anything else? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I try to hide on social media. I used to do it, and uh, it's only small. I had 5,000 people on Twitter, and I, I kind of got fed up with it. There okay. was, as we say in Galway, there was a lot of potholes yeah. uh, <laughs> picking holes in me, um, so I sort of got rid of that literally got rid of it. Then I come back with my Irish name. I'm not trying to hide, but it, <laughs> it's Jazu Noreen. Uh, that's me in Irish. Um, but I'm not always on Twitter. But LinkedIn, no problem. You can get me there. And I'm slow getting back to people. Hand up. Sorry. Busy, busy. But I will get back to them eventually. And I'll, I'll sure, if people want to get in contact, they'll find me on LinkedIn, no problem. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Des. It's been a pleasure to speak to you for the last the hour and a half probably before we hit record but yeah, yes really appreciate it thank you very much thanks for having me thanks for tuning in to episode 306 of the pacey performance podcast i hope you enjoyed the chat with des so big thanks to des for giving up his time during lockdown to have a little chat and um and get passionate on this on this episode with some really interesting discussion points so also big thanks to Hawking Dynamics, iMeasureU, Athlete Monitoring, Omega Wave, and brand new sponsor, Output Sports. So if you are interested in any of these products, feel free to reach out and get my personal experience of them. But if not, all the information is on the website, social media tags, websites for all these companies, and details of how you can learn more. So thank you very much for your support, really appreciate it, and I'll speak to you next week.